And good evening, I'm William Hosea. Welcome once again to Bring It On, a multiple award-winning program celebrating over 11 years as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting African Americans. And good evening, I'm Cornelius Wright. And at today's broadcast, you'll also hear our perspective on what's relevant in the African-American world of news and local events of interest. All that in the next hour on Bring It On. First up, the NAACP, National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, is the oldest, largest, and strongest civil rights organization in the United States. The principal objective of the NAACP is to ensure the political, educational, social, and economic quality of minority group citizens of the United States. The NAACP is committed to nonviolence and relies upon the press, the petition, the ballot, and the courts, even in the face of overt and violent racial hostility. The NAACP is a network of more than 2,200 branches covering all 50 states. The Monroe County branch here in Bloomington is one of them also the District of Columbia, Japan, and Germany. They are divided into seven regions and are managed in government governed by a national board of directors. The NAACP is headquartered in Baltimore, Maryland. Total membership exceeds 500,000. Cornell William Brooks is currently the president and CEO of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, the nation's oldest, largest, and most widely respected grassroots-based civil rights organization. As for the Monroe County branch, on November 7th, Jim Sims, longtime Bring It On contributor and active and engaged Bloomington citizen, was elected branch president. He joins us here this evening to discuss his vision for this local branch of the NAACP. Jim, welcome to Bring It On. Well, thanks, gentlemen, for having me. Well, you've been at this mic probably as much or more than we have. Yeah, it's uh, kind of weird on this side of the table. Yeah, a little different. Um, the first thing I'm going to ask is let's put back on the intro music. Uh, you know how that fires me up. That gets, okay. It brings uh, back we, some memories. We won't huh? go there. We won't go there. All righty. Well, NAACP, incoming president. I know there's a lot going on in your head about what you've got planned and what you're going to do, but give us a brief little recap of where we're at now, where you plan on heading, and uh, what type of help you need in getting there. Um, well, if I may, first of all, I want to say that this is a very humbling and experience to become president, and I am very grateful, um, in particularly to Mr. and Mrs. Gilliam and Mr. and Mrs. Vance, who've kind of kept the ship afloat um, for the last almost 40 years. So I'm just the next guy that, that got the baton. Um, hopefully we can do some, um, I, I don't know, more relevant things and, and um and help the community. Um, but before I get into a whole lot of that, the first thing is I, I want, would like to paint a visualization. We do have a community fabric, like a quilt. We have one. And that's made up of a bunch of these threads. The NAACP is a thread. Um, the African American graduate students, a thread. Black Lives Matter is a thread. Um, you know, we can go on and on. Um, La Casa, um, we can just go on and on and on. One of my goals is to bring all these threads together as best we can, and once we intertwine all the smaller threads, then by George, we're gonna have a pretty strong thread that'll help keep the fabric of this community together, kinda on its toes and at least enlightened. So. 
Okay, almost. sounded that, like a preacher almost, huh? Almost. Almost. With, with, without the fire and, you know, without the fire and brimstone. Uh, well, actually, we can go there, too, because, you know. Uh, well, before can, you can, do, can let can me get to my first question. Can you be the change that you want to see? See, that, that, that's one of the things we're going to be pushing. Can you be the change that you want to see? There's a lot of folks that say, we need this, we need that. Well, I don't push that to you, William, to say, I need you to take care of that. You want to see change? I want folks to understand, and I'm asking the question, are we willing to be the change that we want to see? Um, no, I didn't mean to cut you off, William, so I'll, I'll let um, you get into that. Actually, I forgot my question, well, but that's, that's okay. A- I'll come up with another one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jim, you kind of in between, as the incoming president of the Monroe County branch NAACP, you kind of in between a rock and a microphone right now because – you have not yet assumed the office and the duties, but yet here you are on on Bring It On, and we're going to be asking you questions, mm-hmm. uh, as have other people who've approached you on the street. Yes. We're going to be asking you questions about the direction that you want this branch to go. So I'm, I'm going to let you put it in your words first. Where does Jim Sims see uh, – what is your vision at this point for – the Monroe County branch in ACP? Well, it, it's a broad vision. Um, but the first thing I would say is I think we need to work on the perception of relevancy. Um, is this organization still relevant? That was actually one of I, my questions. I think many of us know that it is. Um, there are still gris- discriminatory practices, um, unfair treatments. There is um, inequality. We, we all know that. Um, there's hatred. But how do we how how do we make the community understand that the NAACP is an organization that cares the same that they care and can be helpful? Right. So relevancy, I think, one of the main ways I think that we can do that is a you have to elevate yourself and be visible. You have to be a part of the community. Um, I don't want to say anything that's disrespectful may be um, taken as some sort of a criticism. Understood. Uh, but you really just can't say, we're the NAACP, we're here, you know, you need us, call us, and you don't hear really anything, at, at subtly maybe, but I think you need to be at a higher level, more visible, collaborate and partner with other like-minded groups. Um, and then I think that's where the strength comes. I think that's where the relevancy comes. Um, being relevant in and of itself may just be participating in a community conversation. Uh, But you want to be prominent in that. Um, Being relevant is getting out the vote. So what are some of the other groups that you're speaking about collaborating with? uh, And and I'm assuming you're talking about your outreach effort. Yes, and and I will make this point. I'm just one person. So we've got vice presidents, we've got an executive, or or we have officers, we have an executive committee. Um, We're going to have many more members that will be educated and enlightened into what we're doing. And they're bringing talents. Um, They're bringing skills and abilities. Um, They're also bringing their other community contacts, um, people that we can kind of um, influence, if you will, or, or work with in our own spheres of influence. So I think we can, if anyone thinks that Jim Sims is going to do this or that, uh, Jim can do very, very little in an organization that's as strong 
um, and uh, historically long as the NAACP. Which brings me up to, uh, to a question and point. We've talked many times about it seems it's the same group of people in many different organizations that are trying to carry the baton, do the work. Yes. And, and I know one of your goals as the uh, incoming president of the NAACP is to increase membership. Um, so right now what I want to do is while we're on the radio here is I don't know how your efforts has gone, but there's one membership that uh, more membership for the NAACP that I'd like to do right now. And I told you I'd do it, so I said I'm gonna make sure I do All it right. on that. So not to, um, not to disrespect you, but do you have one of those little yellow pins so I can check and see if this is real? Oh, no, I didn't I, give you a hundred, man. I just <laughs> <laughs> thank you, my brother. You're thank welcome. you, thank but, you very much. But you know, much. as we're talking about this, one of the things that 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 I know is going to be needed is more people to help get out there to participate in different community efforts. You can't do it all. The vice president can't do it all. We have to do it as as, as a community. Yes. So um, would you let people know ways that if they are interested in joining the NAACP, how they can sign up to do that? Well, um, again, as William said earlier, I'm between a rock (laughs) or I'm sorry, a microphone in a hard place. Um, We still have a current president that is in office um, and they him and his wife are still continuing membership efforts. so mostly what I'm doing right now is word of mouth, um, talking to different people. There are different levels of engagement, obviously. Um, we're going to have some folks that would like to get out and, and walk in protest in support of other groups or some discriminatory or, or wrong act against people of color or minority groups. We have other people that are more web-based and can do things on the website and the Twitter accounts and these sorts of things. We have many other folks that I think will be just as comfortable and they are will be helpful to just pay their membership dues, which are $30 per year, I might add. And it, later on, we can get into life members and that sort of thing. Um, so the best thing to do, and I'll just give out my email address, if that's okay here, is je.djsims at sbcglobal.net, je.djsims at sbcglobal.net. You may also reach me at area code 812-360-6147. And at that point, I'll have all the information with me. We've got little envelopes. We put your name on it, and we could talk about some, uh, if you want to go there, which part of that is tax deductible, which part isn't. But what I want everyone to know is that if you are going to build a structure, and I think you both would agree with me on this, you have to have a strong foundation. And memberships, individual or otherwise, are the bricks in that foundation in order to to build, um, just go higher and higher and higher. Well, I'm going to ask you a question now that's... uh that's going to uh, really challenge this rock and the microphone that you <laughs> <laughs> You know, you find yourself uh, uh, trying to balance here. Um, the newly elected, the president-elect. Yes. So far, his cabinet picks have consisted of people who seem to have made a career uh on opposing everything that the NAACP stands for. And I mean people like 
Betsy Voss as a sec- secretary, uh, educa- secretary of education. Mm-hmm. And she, by all appearances, it seems like she wants to dismantle public education. And then you have uh, General Flynn and his position on immigration. Jeff Sessions as attorney general. And then Steve Bannon, and it, and and not even not just those, but even the ones that he has considered as his cabinet picks. So, and I guess you have to answer this as not uh, Jim Sims, incoming president, but maybe just Jim Sims, uh, NAACP member. How do you think the NAACP should respond uh, to his cabinet picks, or, or to to the environment that they're going to create? Well, thank you for um, highlighting the difference between the president of the local branch and Jim Sims individual. Um, And I think many people know that NAACP as an organization is apolitical. So we we don't support, endorse candidates. We do, however, endorse platforms and and things, um, legislation and, and laws and that sort of thing that we think will help underrepresented groups, people of color, minority people. Um, But getting back to what you said, um, William, specifically, and I mentioned some of the national platforms. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's take education for an example. The NAACP specifically endorses funding for public school education. Okay? Now, there are charter schools. There are some good ones. Um, We're not criticizing those or saying they ought to be tore down. If they're established, then that's fine. What we're saying is that our community, I think the people that we're looking for, for fairness, non-discriminatory practices, um, so that things are equitable, is best served by all that funding going to the public school organizations. Um, and I think that that's pretty much speaks for itself. Um, now, Jim Sims, his cabinet picks. You know, I, I'm trying to figure that out. I'm trying to wait. I don't know what direction he thinks it's going. I don't know where he's going. Um, I'm a little bit concerned of some of the advice he's going to get from some of these folks that have been, in some cases, discredited in the past or their theories have been proven to not work. Um, So I'm really interested in why we're bringing some of these folks back that have brought past rhetoric that is not supportive of what we're looking for and what we're needing as a people um, and as a country and as a group. So I I think, again, it's one of those let's wait and see. Mm -hmm. Um, I do not promote the gloom and doom. There's a lot of folks that have. It's like, oh, you know, and we have all lived through other elections where the guys we wanted to win did not win. Um, And I've kind of heard some of the same things, not near as much as with this current president-elect, but we've heard some of the same things. Um, We also know that some of those folks want to do away with or or alter Social Security, um, these sorts of things. Privatize it. Yes. um, There's some people that have a rhetoric for health care or lack thereof. Um, If our current president were to say we need to do this program, then he's criticized as being socialist or having socialist um, practices. Um, But let one of these, the new president-elect, I'm really trying hard not to say the name, Um, but the new president-elect, if they bring some of those same tactics, I'm wondering how it will be embraced. Will it be criticized as socialist in nature? Um, Or do we 
head toward universal health care, which is more equitable than the Affordable Health Care Act and, and these sorts of things. So I, I think my advice is, folks, to stay diligent, um, keep your ears to the ground, and let us – we have to scream for poor practices. You know, we have to shine the light on inequalities. I think we have to do that. That's probably going to be the biggest thing, uh, and particularly locally, that, that we can do. So I know you're not a, a doom and gloom kind of kind of person, but realistically, you got to at least go for the doom, you know. <laughs> it's got to be one, one or the um, other. For a while, I think. But I also think that um, if we hang our hats on that too long, um, I, I don't believe in speaking certain things because in some cases that's kind of what happens. Speaking um, into existence. So, so you, you try not to do that. Um, now, Am I being an ostrich or many other people and we're sticking our head in the sand and say it'll go away? No, not at all. Not at all. Um, but I also think things need to settle a little bit. Um, many of us that were sad or there was sadness because of the election. Well, from what I'm hearing, there's at least another half that's very, very happy that that happened. So. And that we, kind we of do athletes and all that stuff. And, and Cornelius, you all know this, and it's not to cut you off, but what you do, you don't ever want to get too low or you don't ever want to get too high. And, you know, so, so I, I think all that will kind of adjust itself. And then we'll see, and a lot of the folks that are saying, yes, I, that we're glad he got elected, I don't think a lot of those folks understand that some of these program changes and policy changes that he's talking about is going to adversely affect them you know as much or more so than people of color because now we're getting into some socioeconomic issues um, and that sort of thing so one of the things that the election has done um, and since our president-elect has, has, has won is the rhetoric in the country of hate speech hate activity uh, just blatant racism has occurred more frequently more blatantly, and, and it seems as though people seem empowered that it is okay now to be a racist, a bigot, and not only to speak on it, but to act on it. Uh, what is the NAACP's path towards dealing with some of these incidences that are going on now? Well, I think we um, dislike it just like everyone else. And when I say we, I don't mean to exclude myself from other groups. And I think there's a lot of people outside of even in the AACP uh, that are concerned with that rhetoric. Um, but here's one thing. Uh, I've heard a lot of talk about the Confederate flag and these sorts of things in certain languages. I think if you believe in democracy, which I do, that I have no real problem with supporting that person's right to fly that flag as an individual. Do I like it? No. Do I think it incites hate? Yes. Do I think it brings up some historical um, scars and wounds and, and that sort of thing? Yes, I do. I know it does. However, if the person carrying that flag participates in policy or operations that becomes discriminatory, so if your personal rhetoric gets into the way of public policy or operations, um, then that's a problem. So that's kind of what I'm looking for. I'm not so much concerned about uh, 
long-term concerned about some of the things I've heard. I'm very concerned about people pulling up to other folks in their trucks or whatever vehicles and, and spewing hate out the window and threatening and go back to Africa and all this stuff or go back to whatever country. Yes, I'm concerned with that. I am more concerned with that that rhetoric does not invade op- policy and operations. So it becomes a way of life with this new administration and thus acceptable. Um, there, I think some of this stuff is going to undo many of the progresses that we've made over the years. I'm even hearing people talk about Roe versus Wade. I mean, it, it's kind of amazing to me. One of the things you spoke about was policy, and I'm not going to elaborate on this too long, mm-hmm. but we did have a situation here in Bloomington uh, after the election with the Confederate flag. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, I know I was shocked to find out that it was – any kind of Confederate flag uh, memorabilia was banned in a couple of the schools in the, in the school system, but not the other. So when you talk about policy there, not only in this particular incident, has there been anyone looking into the differences in policies and educations for academics in the different schools? And if there's anything that one school is getting that another school is getting that maybe the demographics is a little different in color. Do you mean academically? Mm-hmm. Um, because if programs are different like that to where yes, one school yes. can have, ha- have the, uh, the right to say, okay, these kids can do that mm-hmm. where the other schools don't, I think possibly in academics it could be the same way. Has anyone looked into that? Well, I um, not so much the academic part. Uh, I, I'm not aware of that, um, at least as far as the local branch. And I um, apologize. I don't want to offend anyone by dropping names, but we do have an a, a education chair. And one of the things that he does is he participates in school board meetings and and goes to these functions and talks to um, school board members and other concerned community folks. Um, So we do have a person. We're not working specifically on that. But the question did come up as to if we've already got two, well, we we have two high schools, but then there's a, the, the one in Richland, Bean Blossom. Um, if we have two of the three high schools that have already outlawed um, that type of attire um, because it is insightful and it takes away from the education process, I guess the biggest thing that concerns me is why did the third school never enact that? And is that a school issue or is that an administrative exactly. issue? Um, is the school board is this part of their thing? I don't think so. I think it's more administration, the superintendent and the principals and these sorts of things. Um, Again, it's kind of like if I look the other way and nothing's happening, then we're all good until something happens. So why don't we implement it across the board? Now, what about the citizens? I didn't know that. I don't know if you knew that, that, that it was against the rules at two high schools, but okay at North. I didn't know it until this incident I, I happened. I didn't know that. So it's kind of difficult for me to, or it's not difficult for me to accept it, but what I want to say is what about the parents? What about the community folks? Um, what about our other watchdogs? Um, so you can't hold them accountable if it's like a non-transparent thing and we don't know about it, um, which, which again I think is one of the, the strengths that we, again, I don't want to say resurgence or any of that, uh, but I think it's one of the things that we can highlight things like that that's brought up, could be brought up from a whole nother group. But if it's bad for the masses, then I think we can all get behind and support 
um, that sort of thing. That's so, good really question, a uh, good question for either MCCSC or the school board. But to follow up on that, once this incident started taking shape over at Bloomington North, mm-hmm. the the students immediately responded. They organized, mm-hmm. and then they took it to the uh, superintendent, who made, in my opinion, the correct decision uh, to ban that flag from, from that school. So my, my, my question to you is, is that something as NAACP president that you would get the organization involved in? And if so, you know, just generally speaking, how, how would you introduce your organization into that, uh, that type of issue? Um, I, I would like to be involved. And what I see the vision is, is to partner with that group or to collaborate with that group um, and to be more of a support mechanism. Yeah. Um, we're older than high school, so obviously we have more life experience. Um, I think there needs to be someone that um, basically holds their interests uh, or, or supports their interests um, that they can talk to and, and say, well, what's happening? What, what do you know about this sorts of things? Um, then I think from a group standpoint, um, and when I say partnering, collaborating, and there's so many groups, um, there's individual churches that there you have people that um, have studied and promoting social justice issues and inequalities that, that I think are valuable to be a part of this. Um, but if, unless I'm mistaken, there's a group, an African-American club at North, that's called the Heritage Club. Um, if I'm not mistaken, the name may have changed, but it's sort of like the Black Student Union in high school, if you will. Um, if we are just there and let them know that we're a part of supporting the injustices and, and the, the, the discrimination and, and these sorts of things that A, take away from their education um, or, or the process of education, and B, just don't treat you right as a person. I think it's important that they also know we're a part of them. Now, whether we get directly involved, and which I foresee that, um, if I knew about it in time, I would have gladly been down there and I would have spoken on behalf of the NAACP um, not so much against certain things like the Confederate flag and that sort of stuff, um, but what it does and, and some of the thoughts that it, it evokes and, and brings back up. And, and, and the main thing, what is it doing to that education pro- process and that environment? Um, when I was in high school, and I'll tell people this, you know, we got bust. Um, <laughs> went from um, where most black folks went in Muncie, Indiana. I got bust out to a high school in the South. Our mascot was a rebel. We were the Muncie Southside Rebels. Okay? This is 1973, 74, 75. In my four years of high school, we had a race riot every year. And my junior year, we had two. So, and back then, it's like, are you on the MLK side or... On the, the on the other side, <laughs> the Malcolm X side. Um, so so there was, do, which do you do? Are we going to take this passively or are we going to, you know, that, that, that sort of thing? Um, we're not there today, um, thank God, even though there are still issues and there's still riots and that sort of thing. Um, but I also think groups like that, like the um, IU chapter of the NAACP, we're not going to get in there. We're not going to run those things. We're not going to, quote, unquote, sponsor them per se. But I think we can be a part of those students and those young people's development. 
Um, one of the criticisms that I've heard, too, of this organization, um, and particularly locally, is that we're not bringing youth in. Even though the platform have youth programs and youth councils, um, it's more difficult than it seems to do that. Um, but I think you start by engaging at that youth level and say, we support you. And I also think we have to be strong enough that they bring up an issue that we have to be strong enough sometimes to say, you're wrong. <laughs> or we'll just back away and say, well, no, we can't support that platform. Um, but I think that's, I think that's important. Um, and it's hard to be relevant if no one knows about you or don't see certain things. So, you know. Okay. Yes, sir. We've got a few minutes before uh, this segment ends, but one thing that I would like to do is invite you Thursday, and I've, I've invited the uh, current president, uh, Bill Vance, to attend um, the status of black males as having their third community conversation with law enforcement. It's at City Hall at 6 o'clock. We'll have the chief of police from IU. We'll have the chief of police from uh, Bloomington, the uh, Captain Marte from the Indiana Police, and uh, our, our sheriff here in Monroe County. So I want to invite you to that. Thank and would you. you like to give us some closing remarks of uh, your platform, just kind of what's going on as, as we end this segment? Well, I, I just want folks to understand or, or to be on the lookout. You will hear a lot more um, from a participatory standpoint about the Monroe County branch in AACP. I think it's important. It is very hard to be relevant when you can't see that relevancy. Um, whether you are or not, and we are, I think we all can agree with that. But especially with your younger, your, your millennials and all that, if it's not here where I can see it, does it really exist? So, and I think the best thing that we can do is that we all collaborate, we all fight discriminatory practices, we scream out for social injustices, and we support the things that we think is best for the masses, and in this case, um, our minority, people of color, underrepresented groups, and any other disenfranchised group. Let's get together and let's make this county, this state, and this world a better place. Amen. Let me ask you one last question. Um, and actually, I'm going to throw about three or four issues out at you, and you pick <laughs> one in the interest of time. But things like voter registration drives locally, um, more fundraising events, uh, youth involvement, marches, protests, uh, rallies. Pick one and run with it. Wow. How do I do that? I mean, that? it's th things that we really haven't seen from our local NAACP well, in the past. Well, one of the things is I had the pleasure of um, speaking with the state president um, just before the election. And obviously, Indiana and there were several other states, there were some issues with uh, voter registration fraud and with some of the, it was their voter suppression. Um, Nicole Brown, our auditor, our county auditor here, and I've spoken with her, and we're pretty, or she was pretty secure in, in thinking that there was no, or no noticeable fraud, um, no voter suppression, um, which is, was my concern locally. Um, now, do we have the same things with people registering folks incorrectly, and thus meaning their votes don't, don't count when you go? They will strike you out. Um, so I think that's a biggie, and I think if many of us, not only NAACP, but others of us, if we would have got out to vote more and did certain things, we could have flipped this a little bit. Um, those others, fundraising, uh, I, I kind of wanted to talk about that, um, but we can do that. Well, uh, we've all talked about it before, and, and with the help of some other like-minded community folks, one of the things that's difficult to do is to advocate a lot of things if you're not financially stable. 
Now, not to say that we are unstable. I'm not saying that. However, I do know we have one major fundraiser per year. Um, the folks that are around and will support us, I would like to do at least three per year. Um, higher scale, nice, that is more empowering, more educational, yet it'll raise some funds, I think, for some of the things that we, we really want and need to do. Right. So. All right. Well, we want to thank Jim Sims, recently elected president of the Moreau County branch of the NAACP, for joining us to discuss his vision for this local branch of the nation's oldest, largest, and most widely respected grassroots-based civil rights organization. The Monroe County branch of the NAACP meets the first Tuesday of each month at 7 p.m. at Second Baptist Church, which is at 321 North Rogers Street in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On has an open submission policy, so if you have an idea for this program, we want to hear it. Send your emails to our volunteer staff. The address is bringiton at wfhb.org. We want to make sure we share any and everything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. That email address, once again, bring it on at wfhb.org. Support for WFHB comes from Bloom Magazine. The editors of Bloom Ag Magazine believe local businesses are endangered by online shopping, and they encourage you to shop locally. More information is available at magbloom.com. Support for WFHB comes from the Uptown Cafe, a Bloomington landmark since 1976, serving Cajun Creole and home cooking specials every Tuesdays and Wednesdays, Wednesday evening, featuring a full bar serving fresh handcrafted cocktails. The Uptown Cafe is located in downtown Bloomington. More information is available online at the-uptown.com.
You just heard Black Butterfly by Sounds of Blackness. From jazz to blues to rock and roll, R&B gospel, spirituals, hip-hop, reggae, and soul, every Sounds of Blackness song conveys messages of hope, unity, love, and peace for all humankind. Since 1971, the Grammy Award-winning Sounds of Blackness Tireless, excuse me, of Blackness's tireless endeavors under the direction of Gary Hines. This is Bring It On, the People's Forum for Black Culture in South Central Indiana and beyond. Are you a tweeter? You're invited to follow the WFHB News Twitter account. This is a great way to get breaking news and updates on what's going on behind the scenes and on the air with WFHB News. Go to Twitter.com and search for WFHB News. Or you can always visit WFHB News website at WFHB.org slash news. Bring It On is Indiana's only public affairs program dedicated to the African-American community here on WFHB 91.3 FM and live on the web at WFHB.org. It's time now to give you the latest perspective on the people, news, and issues affecting the black community. Well, bring it on. I'm Cornelius Wright. I'm William Hosea. First up, here's what Barack Obama told his daughters the morning Trump won the election. Now, you know, Barack Obama is so eloquent when he speaks. I, I'm just not going to have time to read this whole thing. This report from BlackAmericans.com. Like millions of Americans, Barack Obama was struggling to explain the results of last week's election. The New Yorker profile on the president revealed. Obama campaigned furiously for Hillary Clinton throughout the presidential campaign and repeatedly pointed Republican, uh, painted Republican Donald Trump as bigoted and xenophobic. Much of his legacy depended on a Clinton victory. But when Trump won the election in a shocking upset, Obama still had some comforting words to say to his daughters. Quote, what I say to them is that people are complicated, Obama told the New Yorker's David Remnick. Societies and cultures are really complicated. This is not mathematics. This is biology and chemistry. These are living organisms and it's messy. And your job as a citizen and as a decent human being is to constantly affirm and lift up and fight for treating people with kindness and respect and understanding. And you should anticipate that at any given moment there's going to be flare-ups of bigotry that you may have to confront or may be inside you and you have to vanquish it. And it doesn't stop. You don't get into a fetal position about it. You don't start worrying about apocalypse. You say, okay, where are the places where I can push to keep it moving forward? Trump and Obama seem to have struck a conciliatory tone since Trump's election, at least publicly. The two met privately last week, and Obama said he will continue to counsel Trump throughout the transition to power. That man has so much class, so much class. You know, Republicans are going to miss him, too. Yes, they are. Kanye West spent a holiday in a hospital allegedly suffering from paranoia. News One reports that after being rushed to the hospital, Kanye West has reportedly spent the Thanksgiving holidays suffering from paranoia, believing the doctors there are out to get him. According to TMZ sources close to West and Kim Kardashian said that at one point, West refused to let doctors touch him. On last Monday, West was rushed to the hospital for temporary psychosis with doctors at UCLA Medical Center treating him for sleep deprivation and dehydration. However, TMZ reported that the issues are deeper than that, stemming from severe depression as well as paranoia issues that have plagued him for months. The hospital is hoping to release him to his personal doctor's care uh, on last Monday. 
After news broke that Kanye West had been hospitalized, days after a week of rants on stage, D.L. Hughley took this as an opportunity to roast the rapper and his famous Kardashian family. Kanye was hospital for psychiatric evaluation. I don't know what's worse for black men, high blood pressure or a Kardashian. The comedian <laughs> posted on Instagram just hours after West, who was married to reality star Kim Kardashian, was admitted for evaluation. While the meme-inspired post was intended to be humorous, some people thought Hughley went too far and was poking fun at a very serious situation. I'm not a fan of theirs, but this is unfair. Clearly, he hasn't been himself since his mother died. The black community is always making jokes about mental health issues, hence the reason why, are men, why men don't seek help, wrote Instagram's user Shani Yanmi. So I guess I'm going to leave my joke alone. Uh, yeah. Todd Stephen Burroughs of The Root writes the following commentary. Fidel Castro, the Cuban, lead, Cuban leader who died Friday, could be considered a founding father of the black radical movements of the 1960s. He is remembered not only for his in-your-face defiance of the U.S., but for creating a third-world Marxist nation that stood as a beacon for the oppressed during the 20th century. It was 1990, and black America had been in the throes of Republican leadership for a decade. The Cold War had not begun to cool. Mandela viewed then as a revolutionary leader of the ANC, or African National Congress, trying to destroy the white minority racist apartheid regime of South Africa, not the cuddly teddy bear of reconciliation of a democratic one-party state that would define him later, had been recently freed. That was a long description, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Had been recently freed thanks to a worldwide movement on his behalf. A critic in the crowd asked tough questions about Mandela's support of Palestinian leader Yasser Arafat, Libyan leader Muammar Gaddafi, and Cuban leader Fidel Castro. I remember Mandela's words as if it were yesterday. One of the mistakes that some political analysts make is to think that their enemies should be our enemies. That we can't and will never do. Makes a lot of sense. Bill Bill Barrow of the AP writes that President-elect Donald Trump is again distancing himself from the alt-right movement as its white supremacist members claim his election as a boon for their agenda. I disavow and condemn them, Trump said Tuesday during a wide-ranging interview with staff members of the New York Times. In his latest attempt from Trump to separate himself from groups and individuals widely condemned for their advocacy of white supremacy in American culture, the Republican president-elect added that he does not want to energize the groups, one of which garnered viral headlines this week with a gathering in Washington where organizers and attendees evoked Adolf Hitler's Third Reich with cries of Heil Trump and reprisals of the Nazi salute. The Times has not yet released a full transcript or video of the meeting, but participants used Twitter to share his remarks throughout the exchange. It's too bad he didn't try to silence some of those critics uh, during the campaign. You know, we could do another show just on the hypocrisy. Indeed. Especially after he appointed Steve Bannon. A 17-year-old Oakland honor student overcomes homelessness and abuse. My life wasn't a life. It was a war zone, said Alexis Webster, a young woman who has battled insurmountable odds. Sharice Fraser of BlackAmericaWeb.com writes of a human interest story spotlighting students rising above, an organization invested in improving the lives of low-income youth through education. CBS Oakland interviewed Alexis Webster, one of SRA's brightest stars. 
Alexis says she struggled with devastating circumstances as a young child. I grew up on the streets with an abusive drug addict for a mother, along with an older brother who molested me countless times, plus constant sickness. My life wasn't a life, it was a war zone, she wrote in her application to SRA. Her family lived on the Oakland streets, including stints in hotels and a dugout car while they searched for shelter. Due to the stressful environment, Alexis says she developed a low immune system and fell ill, severely impacting her school attendance. She missed three years of school due to the circumstances. One afternoon at the age of 14, police found Alexis and her sister sitting inside a car unattended. Her mother was arrested. The two sisters were placed in foster care under the tutelage of a woman Alexis affectionately calls Mima. She says under the care of Mima, her life made a dramatic turn for the better. With her, Alexis feels safe and empowered. Alexis is now a junior in high school with a 4.1 GPA and has her sights set on collegiate success due thanks to mentoring and support from SRA. It's unbelievable to say that I went through that. I see success. I see happiness and I see peace, she tearfully said. Amen. And that was a look at African-American headline news from around the world for this week. Tune in again next week for the latest news on and for the African-American community. We want to know what you think of current black issues. Send your comments to Bring It On at WFHB.org. For Bring It On, I'm Cornelius Wright. I'm William Hosea, and you are listening to Bring It On, Indiana's only public affairs program dedicated to the African-American community here on WFHB 91.3 FM on the radio and live on the web at WFHB.org. Support for WFHB comes from the Uptown Cafe, a Bloomington landmark since 1976, serving Cajun Creole and home cooking specials every Tuesday and Wednesday evening, featuring a full bar serving fresh handcrafted cocktails. The Uptown Cafe is located in downtown Bloomington. More information is available online at the hyphen uptown.com. <laughs> It's a simple song.
but they just won't go away. Friends that you're down, things get bounced around. Here's a little lullaby we like to sing. just heard hold on another selection by the phenomenal group sounds of blackness and it's time to bring you the events of interest in the black community for bring it on i'm william hosea and i'm cornelius wright first up the naacp soul cabaret december 2nd at the wilkie auditorium the soul cabaret will serve as a kickoff for the iu branch naacp's annual adopt a family initiative our goal is to raise funds in an effort to support a family in the Bloomington Monroe County community this holiday season. The cabaret will feature local and student artists, including singers, instrumentalists, poets, and dancers, who will render solid entertainment throughout the duration of the program. Tickets will be sold in advance for $5 and at the door for $7. VIP tickets will be available for $10. VIP guests will have reserved seating in addition to receiving a gift or keepsake. For more info, please contact the Neil Marshall Black Culture Center at 812-855-6476. The Next Generation Hoosier Educator Scholarship application process is now open. The Indiana Commission for Higher Education is now accepting applications for the Next Generation Hoosier Educator Scholarship at learnmoreindiana.org slash nextteacher. High-achieving Hoosier students interested in teaching must be nominated by a teacher or school administrator and submit a student application by December 31, 2016. The scholarship provides up to $7,500 each year of college for students who commit to teaching in Indiana for five years after earning their degrees. To qualify for the scholarship, students must either graduate in the highest 20% of their high school class or earn a score on the top 20th percentile on the SAT or, excuse me, SAT or ACT. To continue earning the scholarship in college, students must earn a 3.0 cumulative grade point average and complete at least 30 credit hours per year. Current college students are also eligible for the scholarship, but priority will be given to high school students. Visit learnmoreindiana.org slash nextteacher for more, uh, for more information on how to apply. Give the gift of hope this Giving Tuesday. The Center for Leadership Development, CLD, believes that all young people deserve the chance to reach their full potential. 
We exist to address the consistent opportunity gaps faced by young people of color by connecting youth to tutoring, support networks, and the skills needed to succeed in high school, college, and beyond. In a community where many believe college is unattainable, we are proud to graduate more future minority leaders and career achievers every year. Your gift is necessary to maintain CLD as a resource our community depends on, and we need you now more than ever. Help us transform the typical into the triumphant. By making a gift today, you give hope to a deserving scholar. Together, we will empower youth and strengthen community. The CLD mailing address is Center for Leadership Development, 2425 Dr. Martin Luther King Drive, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Street, Indianapolis, Indiana, 46208. And we have two events coming up this holiday season. The first one is the African American Dance Company Studio Concert. It's Tuesday, December 6, 2016 at 7.30 p.m. Admission is free. It's on the IUB campus at the Wilkie Auditorium, which is 150 North Rose Street. And also the Soul Review will be performing on Thursday, December the 8th. And that will be also at the Neil Marshall Black Culture Center, the Grand Hall, the IUB uh, campus. It's free admission with a donation of one canned good for the Community Kitchen of Monroe County. There's limited seatings and ticket giveaways, plus a post-concert reception is at the end. Neil Marshall Black Culture Center foyer. Foyer. Either or. If you have an event or a happening the African-American community should know about, please send the info directly to the Bring It On staff. Or if you want additional information about a calendar item that you've heard tonight, you can contact us at bringiton at wfhb.org. We want to thank Jim Sims, recently elected president of the Monroe County Community Branch of the NAACP, for joining us to discuss his vision for his local branch of the nation's oldest, largest, and most widely respected grassroots-based civil rights organization. The Monroe County branch of the NAACP meets the first Tuesday of each month at 7 p.m. at Second Baptist Church, 321 North Rogers Street, Bloomington, Indiana. Our show's executive producer is Clarence Boone with help from WFHB News Department Director Joe Crawford. Our news editor is Michael Nolan. Our board engineers were Jim Thrasher, Floyd Hobson, and Anya Jenkins. Our original theme music was created by Jamil Effiam with additional background tracks by David Baker. For WFHB, I'm William Hosea. And I'm Cornelius Wright. Be sure to tune in next Monday, December 5th at 6 p.m. for another edition of Bring It On, right here on your community radio station, WFHB. You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.